me being a solopreneur, I enjoyed wearing all the hats, you know? And I felt a lot of pride in the fact that when I did get things done and I did, you know, do things the way that they were supposed to be done, that it was, it was all, I did it, it was all me. I didn't need, I didn't need to rely on anybody else or bother anybody else. Like I was able to do it on my own and that's great. That's not great, actually. I often question people now who proclaim that things are great because they've done everything on their own. Because I'm wondering, okay, well, you said yes to everything, but what did you say no to that maybe are bigger priorities, not just business-wise, but even family and personal life-wise, health-wise, et cetera? This is the Angles of Latitude podcast, session number 200 with the founder and head of growth at SPI Media, Pat Flynn. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, you got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, JC Preston, connector of amazing people and great ideas. And joining me as co-host in this session is Veronica Kieran, creator of the Three Pillars of Business Scaling System and the Stories of COVID Project. This is the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists so that you too can find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that you're proud of. So here we are, the big session 200. Took us a while to get here. But uh, we made it, and frankly, I've been up to my eyeballs in work these days, and with a soon-to-be two-year-old, it's been hectic to find the time to uh, do my passion projects, I gotta say. You know, this podcast has been just that over the last few years, and since I started it, and it's been really a way for me to connect with those that I wouldn't necessarily have had the the need to do so with in, in, the, in the past. But as I was talking about in session 199, you know, my life has changed to a point where I have to be part of a, a, a team of, of of really Avengers to, to functions and uh, no longer, you know, really can I wear the hats of, of, of the solopreneur proudly. I've realized that working on my own becomes a really quick way for me to get burnt out. And not only that, but I, I just don't have effectiveness throughout the day. And in fact, I really agree with the model I've seen where you have really two circles. Um, one has 10 short arrows pointing out of it, and then the other one has one long one pointing away from it. And what this model is, is conceptually saying is that for us to really get traction in the work that we're doing, we have to make it a high priority and focus on that one thing that will yield the results that you want. And some might think of the 80-20 the principle when I'm talking about this, but and, and, you know, and I, I was really doing the 80% of the work that was getting me the 20% of the results. And, you know, today I feel I'm moving closer to that 20% of the work that yields me 80% of the results. You know, catch is running a podcast by myself isn't part of that 20%. And the fact is I'll need to uh, bring on a team for the next season of the current version of the show. And, and, you know, it's just simply way too time consuming. So as I conclude the fifth season of the Angles of Latitude podcast, I want to challenge you guys to listen to this interview with Pat and his perspective on why it's important to be part of an Avenger team as an entrepreneur. You know, he dropped some really great nuggets in here that those of us who have started our businesses like he has started his, you know, might need to hear to move on to that next level. So more specifically, we discussed the early days of Pat's podcast, how he started the team over at SPI Media, and when we need to realize the business is telling us we need to take a step back. But first, let's talk about SPI Pro. And as I was saying, you know, before COVID hit, I was going multiple directions at once. You know, I didn't really feel like I was getting anywhere fast. And as of July 2020, SPI Pro was released. And, you know, being the fan that I am of Pat and what he's been putting together over the years, I, I had to jump in. And interestingly, it was just what I needed at the time. In fact, it was partly where I got the idea to make sure I focused more on staying in my lane. And because, you know, here's the thing. 
The struggles entrepreneurs have on a daily basis can lead to unfocused action, uh, wasted resources, poor decision-making, you know, and, and feelings of overwhelm. And personally for myself, you know, I've, I've experienced all of those. And just like so many others, I've done more treading water than moving forward. And just like the book Key Person of Influence says, success will never be guaranteed. But the probability of success, you know, building a profitable business on your own terms can be dramatically improved by joining forces with others who share your value system and a common goal. And while you might not have your own team yet to share that common goal with, I can tell you that being part of this community has helped me make that realization and I really needed to move down the current path that I'm on. So if you're tired of loneliness, doubt, uh, knowledge gaps, not having support, uh, lack of direct access to experts, you know, maybe relentless distractions, um, confusion about tools, maybe fear of rejection, you know, the usual. Consider giving SPI Pro a try this year. You can apply today at newinceptions.com slash SPI Pro. That's newinceptions.com slash SPI Pro. As always, you too can get on this conversation. Share with us what you've got from the discussion on social media. Also, be sure to leave a comment on wherever you're listening in on the show from. And if you do so on Apple Podcasts, I'll be sure to get, have you on an upcoming future session whenever we get to season six. For this session, I actually have a few comments. Uh, Behave Coach writes, these are techniques and strategies that you can take and implement right away. Excellent advice and podcast. And, you know, I'm happy you found something that you can uh, add to your arsenal, Behave Coach. You know, we've always strived to get a fair balance of, of tips and casual conversation on in, in the show. Evie Jones continues, uh, I really enjoyed listening to this podcast, especially the episode with Kira Lescue. I'm looking forward to listening to more episodes. And Evie, uh, thanks for your, your comment. You know, that was certainly a, a needed talk. Uh, a lot of people needed to hear, and I highly recommend uh, you, con you connect with Kira. Uh, Guardian Gamer says, great show, JC. Congrats on the great success with your podcast. I will just subscribe and listen to more episodes. Looking forward to more content. Cheers. You know, Guardian, I really appreciate those kind words, and I'm not sure how long the wait is going to be for the next podcast episode. But again, my next step is to really write that book based on these first 200 interviews. I'll be sure to post on the blog from time to time regarding how things are going with that. But you know, who knows? I might be on this uh, horn sooner than I actually expect. But yeah, that all said, uh, if you need help in scaling your business, drop us a message at heyguys at newinceptions.com with any of your questions, whether you need advice or a strategic introduction to other amazing people. We love to help our listeners in any way that we can. Show notes and show note extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 200. And as always, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey everyone, this is JC Preston, alongside Veronica Kieran, professional coach and the creator of the Stories of COVID Project. Welcome to the show. Veronica, what is going on in Berlin? Saw you were recently made uh, one of Forbes's next 1,000 list. That's pretty cool. What was, uh, what was that process like? I mean, as far as processes go, it was actually very simple. They had a nomination form, which is still up because they've actually only announced the first 250. So it's rolling out throughout mm -hmm. the year. So if this sounds like something that you want to be involved in, it's the um, um, the entrepreneurs in America that are uh, changing the American dream. So um, bootstrappers, upstarters, mm -hmm. people who are with real gumption. So I definitely uh, suggest that you go ahead and get nominated. But then from there, I had an inkling something was going on because they kept asking me for more information. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was seamless. And uh it's a real honor, man. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems that way. And and no, I'll uh, I can connect you with some of your other Forbes recognized uh, brothers and sisters. I actually a couple of our guests have been honored with that as well. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice uh, fraternity slash royalty to uh, be a part of. So again, congratulations for That's sure, awesome. and thank you. So, yep, yep, yep. So here we are, session 200, 200. and I have to admit. Uh, it's been an awesome journey to this point. Uh, I started this show a few years ago with a couple of uh, random friends of mine. One, Brian, he's financially independent now. He was doing marketing at the time, and he's done very well 
uh, based on some of the practices that Sam Ovens and Dana Maxwell have actually taught over the years. And then we have uh, John Ridge, who has uh, gone off to be uh, a Wall Street uh, broker trader guy working for JP Morgan these these days. Um, and uh, to be honest, as things have progressed, I've I've had the opportunity to bring in various co-hosts who, you know, were living uh, their own personal missions and uh, doing what they love to do. And one thing, uh, and one example was Layla, who at the time of her interview, she was still trying to be a professional engineer, but later realized that she wanted to be a, a math astronaut and, <laughs> and also uh, a uh, fitness coach that is uh, helping uh, women who want to get ready for their wedding. So that was, that's pretty cool. And she's still doing that to this day. And, um, and of course we got you, Veronica, uh, you've gone from owning your own website design company to now a speaker and international coach and, you know, featured by Forbes as well. So that's, that's cool. But, you know, as, as everyone has progressed down their own paths, I wanted to make this a special episode to have the man on himself who inspired the podcast. And while I might have officially started it in 2015, the foundations of the show were actually being built as I went along the journey of today's guest on his show which is still my favorite true, true, true podcast <laughs> to this day. Uh, just like us, our guest has been on an ongoing journey that's taken some uh, left and right turns, I, you could say, as his uh, business, Smart Passive Income, has grown to the well-known brand that it is today. And while it might not be a one-man band like it used to be, I believe that it has been able to flourish because he realized that he wouldn't be able to do everything by himself. Uh, so as new inceptions in this podcast move forward in years to come, I know I'll be changing things up as well. So definitely looking forward to today's conversation with no other than founder of SPI, Pat Flynn from smartpassiveincome.com. Pat, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you for having me and congratulations to you both on episode 200. That's a huge deal. Well done. Yep. It's a long bit of a trek. I know how it is. I mean, we're at 470 about on Smart Passive Income and 1,200 on Ask Pat. It's, uh, it's so much fun. You kind of get addicted to it. Once I you start. agree. You do. You do. But going back to your, your 200th episode, um, you know, I wanted to kind of do what you did with uh, the, the, what was it, the social media guys, if I remember right, or something. Yeah, there was, uh, actually it was episode 100 with, uh, Jeremy and Jason, yeah, um, who were the people who inspired me to get started. So I'm just very honored because I remember how great grateful I was to have them to come on to celebrate and uh, to have you choose me to come on and talk about the story a little bit and to be here with you on this celebration day is is quite an honor. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, total. Couldn't think of anybody better, man. Um, so let's let's actually go down memory lane a little bit. Uh, you started your blog back in 2008. And later, the podcast in 2010. And I remember exactly where I was when I first heard your voice back then in June of that year. I also remember that uh, up to that point, you had wanted to start a podcast, but had different reservations around getting started. Um, You know, just again, anybody that's just now finding this show or have no idea who you are, which is hard to believe these days on internet business. But anyway... Um, if you were to, if you were the main protagonist of a Disney movie, how would that movie start? Uh, how would it start? You know, it would start with somebody who had everything they had, uh, dreamed of and then had gotten it all taken Mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a lot of Disney movies that are very similar from having, you know, parental figures, a very prominent thing within Disney figures, uh, Disney movies to have parental figures leave, right? So, you know, I'm thinking of Anna and Elsa who had their parents and then they went off to go on this ship and then they never came back. Um, you know, my parents, thankfully, still alive. Mm-hmm. That's just an analogy. But for me, what I had that I was, uh, you know, really joyful about was my job as an architect at the time. And this was back in 2008, like you said, where everything was going right. In fact, I had just asked my girlfriend, April, to marry me and she said yes and so i was excited about starting a family this was in march of 20 uh, 2008 and then of course in june of 2008 literally just a few months later i had been brought in into my boss's office and told that i was going to be let go from my dream job a dream job that i was excelling at in fact i had just recently gotten promoted wow. as well and it just kind of caught me off guard and 
many people might remember 2008, the Great Recession, mm. and I just happened to be a statistic, uh, just like many other people during that time. And I didn't have a plan B because everything was going the way I was, it, like I was told, like, if you do this, you'll have a secure job, you'll get to uh, advance in the uh, career that you're in, and then when you're 65, you can retire, and then, you know, things mm. the way it should be. And to have that taken out from me, despite having done everything and more uh, that I was supposed to, was was a big blow. I didn't I didn't really know what was going to happen. Uh, kind of fell into a little bit of a state of depression, not really sure what I was going to do. I moved back in with my parents, which is like, you know, going backwards, if you will. My uh, fiance moved back in with her parents, too, so we could save some money. And I was kind of just floating around trying different things and exploring. I even got roped into... Uh, an MLM situation. Thankfully, I didn't go forward with it, but I didn't know. I was just desperate, and I ended up getting into a point where I went and attended this meeting, and it was all show and, and tell, and uh, it got me really excited, and then I kind of sat back and said, is this really what I want to do? Um, no. And thankfully, I discovered a podcast. This is why podcasting is important to me, because podcasts were very, very important at the start of my entrepreneurial career. This podcast was called Internet Business Mastery, and I listened to an episode of that podcast where they interviewed uh, the host, Jeremy and Jason. They interviewed a guy named Cornelius who was helping people pass the project management exam. And this is an exam that I didn't know anything about, but he was talking about how he was making six figures a year doing so. And that was my big aha moment, my big light bulb moment, because I had taken a number of exams on my way to becoming an architect, one in particular that I was having a really hard time looking for information about, a lot of people were struggling with. And I had actually built a, a resource to help my coworkers and I had forgotten about that until this time. So I came back to that project, put it up on the web and started to uh, engage with the community there who started to find me. Google started to find me. I started to notice that this website, which was at the time called inthelead.com, L-E-E-D, which was mm -hmm. the exam I was helping people pass, leadership okay. and energy, uh, energy and environmental design. And to make a long story short, in October of 2008, I launched an ebook to help people pass this exam, a study guide essentially. And it took off. It just, it just blew me away. After October 2008, that month I made $7,908.55 from a $19.99 ebook that was just a Word document turned into a PDF file. And it absolutely changed my life. It told me that I didn't need to, you know, worry about the fact that I wasn't the expert on that topic. I could still help people. It uh, allowed me to understand that there was potentially other options for me out there. And I don't know if you know this part about my story, but even though things were going very well, I mean, the month after that, I made $9,000. The month after that, I added an audiobook to go on top of that. And I started making 10, 20, even up to $30,000 a month. I was still looking for architecture mm -hmm. jobs. I did not believe that this was the, the new career for me. And I was holding on to the old ladder that I, that I was on, the career ladder that mm -hmm. I was on. But you can't hold on to one ladder over here and then climb a new ladder until you fully let go. And it wasn't until May 2009 that I finally fully let go and stepped into this new world fully uh, that things really started to take off. And of course, with smart passive income, a lot of people were asking me how I was able to survive and thrive during the recession. So I started to build a website called Smart Passive Income to just show transparently all the things and all the money I was making and where it was coming from, all the money I was losing because I was making mistakes and people seemed to really resonate yeah. with that. So when you did start your podcast, I mean, what made you finally pull the trigger? Well, I always wanted to start a podcast because finally uh, something was able to help me and it was a podcast. So I wanted to pay that forward. I knew how impactful a podcast could be. I knew the kind of relationship that a person could build to help a person through the airwaves here. But December of 2008 on smartpassiveincome.com, uh, where I was kind of sharing everything, I created an uh, uh, audio file. It wasn't a podcast yet. But there were these MP3 players that you could put on your website, and I created a little audio file. It's about two minutes long, basically claiming and, and proclaiming that I was going to be starting a podcast. And to get everybody ready for it, I had spent you know a few hundred dollars on equipment, and I was so excited about it. And that audio file was really hard for me to just record and put out there. It felt <laughs> weird. It felt scary. It, uh, you know, it, even though it was just an announcement. And, and that was not a good sign because I was like, oh, man, this is this. This was hard. I mean, consistently creating podcast episodes is going to be even harder. And every time I tried to get into that rhythm and the cadence of recording my episodes and, and seeing how I can put it out there in the world as a podcast, I always kept fumbling. I always kept uh, doubting myself. I was worried about what people were going to say about my voice, 
I was worried that people weren't going to listen or that if they did listen, it would be a waste of time. And I only had enough time to create an episode every other week. And so every time I really started to go down that route, I just said, you know what, blogging, I'm going to go back to blogging. Blogging was my safety net, my security blanket, mm -hmm. if you will. Right. And then it wasn't until a couple of years later, uh, actually a year and a half later, that a, a few people who were fans of mine said, hey, so whatever happened to that podcast thing? And then more and more people started asking about it that I said, wow, okay, I need to get back to this and do it. And so I went to Cliff Ravenscraft from Podcast Answer Man. Mm -hmm. And he's since moved on from that brand, but he was very, very important for me in my journey as a podcaster. And then Jason Van Orden uh, from Internet Business Mastery, he was helping a few people with podcasts as well. I finally just started to ask all the questions I had and not be afraid about asking. And they helped me solve those problems. And I got my podcast up in July of 2010. And I recorded that first episode three times because I wanted it to be perfect, which was another thing yeah. that was holding me back. And eventually I was like, this is not going to happen if I just put it out there. And yeah, it's going to be bad. But I, I recently heard that you have to be a disaster before you become the master. <laughs> and it, it was definitely a disaster situation. But I learned and every episode got better. And I started to learn how to be a better interviewer. And then things started stacking and I started getting uh, invited on other shows at this point. And then now I feel like I'm a really great communicator because I just put myself out there and said, you know what? Well, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, it's not as bad as the best that can happen. And so many great opportunities have happened since starting yeah. the show, for sure. Mm. What do you believe are are the really the factors that 10 years later, I mean, it's still going on and has some staying power to it? Yeah, I think it's the idea that it's been consistent this whole time. So over time, I've built super fans mm -hmm. who are always looking forward to the next episode and waiting for it. In fact, there were times early uh, and by early, I mean, you know, two to three years into it where I would miss my deadline every once in a while and an episode would be late. And it got to a point where people were like, are you OK? <laughs> What's going on? Some people getting really upset about the fact that I was late. And that's a good sign. That right. means, wow, people have put this into their daily uh, or weekly habit of listening. And that was really cool. Um, we continue to explore different ways of reaching new people and, and putting ourselves out there because, you know, as much as we reach a very large audience, I mean, we're at 65 million downloads over the last 10 years now, there's still so many people that we could help. And that's something that we have to continue to understand. So we have to continue to take advantage of the uh, social sphere and also the fact that there's many other new podcasters coming about now that I don't mind being on other people's shows. Like, yes, I don't have the time to be on everybody's, but I do make time to get on other people's shows, including new podcasts, if, if there's room. And several of those people have been so important into the continued growth of the show as a guest on their podcast and as a person who then becomes very thankful that we can support them and then they'd want to support us back and, and they spread word of it even more than they would normally. So that's been really neat. But I think the consistency and then the continual showing up is important and always trying to stay on the front edge of, well, what's coming? What's new? Why should people continue to listen to the show? Well, we're always experimenting. And I think that's what people love about the way we do things at SPI is the fact that, you know, we don't mind investing and in, in investigating new things to be, be guinea pig, essentially, to understand, is this worth your time or not? I often uh, use the analogy that I'm sort of like, you know, we're blazing this trail together, but I'm in the front and I have the machete and I'm kind of like whacking away at the mm -hmm. path to make it easier for everybody behind me. Yeah. I'm going to get scratched up every, one, every once in a while. There might be a tiger right around the corner, but I'm willing to take that risk so that everybody else behind me can stay safe. And as a result, people behind me want to keep me safe as well. So I, I think I, I really like that analogy when it comes to um, the way we explore different things within the world of entrepreneurship. Yeah, it's I mean, you're speaking to two different things. You're speaking to the ecosystem that you've built, which is so critical in entrepreneurship just in general. Um, but then also the, how you are defining leadership for yourself and for your uh, your super fans, as you say, which I, I think, again, is just utterly critical to the growth of um, not just the business, but then also that that community that helps us stay afloat. Um, and so while we're on the topic of entrepreneurship and community, as well as podcasting, um, uh, soon after your 100th episode, you mentioned on your podcast that you were planning to bring somebody on named Jess to help with your uh, email campaigns. And uh, that was, I believe, yeah. your first hire. Is that correct? Uh, she was my first 
uh, real hire for somebody specifically to do that kind of work for me. I had been working with contractors and other people to support with certain projects, but somebody to come on long term like that, Jess was definitely the first person. And this was an episode 115 of the Smart Passive Income podcast, if you want to, you want to check it out. She yeah. came on board to help me, not necessarily with my email campaigns, like funnels and stuff, but just email in general. Um, the reason why this was important to me was because what really put me on the map, other than being very transparent and authentic and creating something different in the world of entrepreneurship, but I was also very engaged with my audience. Um, that's one of the advantages that we have even today. If you are smaller, you have the advantage of having a more direct connection and having an even deeper relationship with your audience who happens to be there right now. And when I first started out, I remember replying to every single comment, replying to every single email, even going so far as to, after replying, going and checking out their stuff and offering some value and leaving some feedback. And people really appreciated that. But eventually, as a brand continues to grow, uh, there's a tipping point where that's just impossible to do. And I remember getting to a point where we had 10,000 unread emails. (laughs) 10,000. Oh, no. And every day, 20, 40. 80, sometimes 100 new emails would come in, and I just knew that they would be disappointed. Like, oh, well, here's 100 more people that are going to be disappointed because I'm still answering questions from four months ago, right? It's like, oh, my gosh, something needs to happen here. So I got involved with Jess. Jess is a master at executive administration and and assistance, and we had to, number one, claim email bankruptcy. So we just had to deal with that (laughs) and then start over fresh with a system and a way to work together to kind of tackle inbox zero. And and I'm not going to get into the details of how we did that, but even today we've still been able to manage the inbox very, very well. But it also is helpful because now since then I've hired several more people to take care of a lot of different things in the business that I had once either had been doing and didn't like um, or just didn't know how to do. But especially now, and this is where the major growth has happened, especially for me as somebody who continues to want to stay in the realm of creation, Mm -hmm. is I'm now handing off things that I know how to do, that I'm probably pretty good at, but shouldn't Mm -hmm. do at this point in time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're the visionary. You're the entrepreneur. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you zoomed a little bit past my quest, my next question, but I, I want to kind of walk us back to it. Cause I think it's really important for sure. our listeners, but, um, so you were, you were starting to see yourself get behind and in really taking care of and nurturing your community, which obviously is critical to the growth of our businesses and to the work that we're doing. It's the whole reason we're here. Um, and so what, what was, what was it like to be in that tipping point to hire Jess and then also to start hiring your other teammates? Like what were those indicators that you were seeing that, okay, it was time to start uh, growing the team? Yeah. I mean, there were, I mean, obviously it was just a lot of red flags all over the place from people following up and saying, Hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. I mean, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. Um, business opportunities that were now lost. You know, I go back into an email three months ago and it was a perfect partnership opportunity. Miss that. That's not cool. Um, to just the general feeling that, you know, if this kept going, what else is going to break? What else is going to overwhelm me? What else am I going to be sort of uh, drowning in? Right. So I knew that this was just perhaps a little microcosm of something that maybe eventually could turn into a bigger problem. And so I'm very grateful that I started uh, to, to think about help getting help elsewhere. But it was hard because me being a solopreneur, I enjoyed wearing all the hats, you know, and I felt a lot of pride in the fact that when I did get things done and I did, you know, do things the way that they were supposed to be done, that it was, I did it on me. I didn't need, I didn't need to rely on anybody else or bother anybody else. Like I was able to do it on my own. And that's great. That's not great. Actually. I often question people now who proclaim that things are great because they've done everything on their own because I'm wondering, okay, well, you said yes to everything, but what did you say no to that? maybe our bigger priorities, not just business-wise, but even family and personal life-wise, health-wise, et cetera. And so it was very important to me to do this because it opened up more time for me to, number one, breathe, but number two, also focus on things that were important that probably would have not been looked at if I had continued down that path. Um, It was also hard because I just immediately was like, okay, here's the problem, go solve it. And that's not how you approach working with somebody. Um, you often have to train them and help them understand how you want things done. And that can take some time. Uh-huh. And I've come to realize that with every single hire that we have now, there has to be sort sort of some sort of incubation period that allows for the person to understand, not just like the thing to do, but how we do it and why we do it this way. And I think once people understand the mm-hmm. why, 
what is really cool that happens is, and this is something that I really love, is that now we give a lot of responsibility to our team. Like, this is your, you own this now. So number one, that takes that ownership off my plate. But number two, uh, if anything goes wrong, I know who to blame now, but th that's not the real reason. Number three is now they take ownership. And so they take it even beyond where I could even think of them think where I could think because they're taking ownership themselves and they come up with new solutions. They come up with better, more efficient ways to do things that I didn't even think about. And I think that's perfect. And so what's really neat is that is they feel very proud of that part of the business because it is theirs. And that's why lately you've seen a lot of the teams step up and yeah. get involved and, and, and have a face now because for a while they were behind the scenes, but they have so much to offer, if not even more than I do personally. And I like to think of it as like, you know, I was Tony Stark in the beginning and I'm creating this, this thing. But then, you know, now here comes Black Widow, here comes Hawkeye, here comes the Hulk, here comes like yeah. all the different team members yeah. have their own specialties. And together we're like the Avengers and, you know, pain and business and challenges are, you know, um, are, are the villains. Mm. And, uh, and, and I think that's really cool because we're all super nerdy on the team as well. How did you initially mm -hmm. find Matt and his team over at Rocket Code? Yeah, uh, Matt actually was a connection through a person who I was working with. So typically this is the story in, in many successful cases is through a network or recommendation mm -hmm. from a friend, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't like a job board or anything like that, not to say job boards or things like that aren't great, but it was through a connection with a man named Adam Baker, who I was working with on various projects. He was a person who had a blog at the time called manversusdebt.com. Very, 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 very huge blog in the world of finance and, and personal finance and uh, uh, getting out of debt at the time. And he introduced me to Matt because he knew that I had a book that I was writing. Mm. And Matt's company, Winning Edits, they edit books. And so it was a perfect marriage uh, for that particular project. Mm -hmm. And after I saw the kind of work that Matt did and how he was able to organize this, again, this was the first sort of iteration of me, visionary, Matt, integrator. Uh, but it was in a small little project. And I just had such a good time. And I was like, Matt, I have these other things I want to do. They're not book related, but might your team be able to help me with this? I want to create an online course. I want to create you know, this thing on my blog, I want to do this other side project. And Matt was all in on it because he really liked the why behind what I was doing. Mm -hmm. He typically would work with people who would hire him, who would do things that maybe weren't as meaningful as literally helping change lives and people who can then spend more time with their families or people who can then create an additional income source and such. And he wanted to get behind that, but he didn't have the content creation talent, if you will. That's me. But I didn't have the online business manager. I didn't have the person who can like almost predict all the moving pieces that would need to happen to take my vision and make it a reality. And it's been beautiful now because now uh, not only did I acquire winning edits in 2019 and I just took his entire team and they're all a part of team SPI now, right. but uh, Matt is now co-CEO with me okay. at, uh, of smart passive income, yeah. which is uh, really neat. So that's kind of where it all started. It's like that meme. Here's how it started. Here's where we are now. And uh, yeah. it's really cool. <laughs> right. So fast forward, um, you know, you're no longer the, the crash test dummy of the Internet. Um, fast forward to where we are at today, edition of SBI Pro. Um, and what was once just your voice, again, it has become the voice of the community and, and your team teammates. And uh, now personally, I love that Matt hops on the Zooms and gives his COO perspective. I think he to your CEO, I think he's definitely a complimentary COO, but, um, yeah. perspective, you know, this is perspectives on things that in many cases, people will take years to learn through trial and error. But what are some of the tactics that you use, uh, to keep you guys really working in, in your strengths as, as the team? Well, more recently, we've actually incorporated this thing called Bonusly. This is a very tactical thing, but uh, Bonusly is a really cool program that you and your team can sign up for where you actually every month get a certain number of points that you can then reward to other people on the team. And then you can re you can redeem those points for certain perks or other things. Mm. And it's kind of a cool gamification way for us to sort of just recognize each other um, within the team, not just from the top down, but from within uh, amongst each other. And I think that just speaks to you, whether you use something like Bonusly or not, the importance of having people feel recognized for the great work that they do. 
And I think that's really key. And that is something within the culture of the environment of that uh, of our workspace. Um, and we're all remote workers. We don't work in person with each other. We're all kind of spread out around the country. Uh, it's just something that's baked into our culture. Um, the other thing is that we promote a place where if you have a problem or something that you're struggling with, like you, 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 sh you should come to us and, and, and us being the leadership team and, and ask for help and we'll do our best to sort of manage that for you. And there's been many problems, uh, that we have been able to kind of tackle together as a result. And this is great because then you can have these things come about early on and catch them or, or at least you know, be able to manage them in a way before they get too blown up or, or, or what have you. Um, so that's really key. Uh, additionally, we work in two-week sprints. So this allows us to check in every two weeks amongst the projects that we're working on. Everybody checks in and they share what they've been up to, what they need help with and they struggle with. And it almost becomes like a within-team mastermind where we've been with each other for so long and we know each other's strengths and weaknesses that we can kind of support each other within. Uh, another thing that we do that I felt was very important was when I hired the team in uh, 2019 and acquired the company, he did an Enneagram test amongst all of the employees. An Enneagram is sort of an interesting way for us to understand more about each other and just who we are. Not that one, you know, if you're not familiar with the Enneagram, it's it's similar to like, you know, there's like the strength finders test and like all these kinds of things. But the Enneagram is especially interesting. It's actually been quite helpful for my wife and I in terms of our relationship because it helps you just understand why people are the way they are. Not because they're good or bad, but just this is what motivates them. This is what uh, doesn't motivate them and the more that you can understand that about a person the more you can speak to them at their level at their language at their um and, and resonate with them you know so that way you're not sort of butting heads and to understand that about certain team members it becomes very simple within the team and, and from the top down as well to uh share for example how to present a problem to somebody or if there happens to be an issue how to talk about that issue with the person so that they don't just immediately put up a wall and get defensive but actually want to work with us to kind of solve this problem together. And every person's different, that's the thing. Uh, and, and when you can understand more about who a person is and how they are, uh, the, the better that you can help and support them and, and the more that they're gonna feel like they're contributing and wanting to support even more. Yeah. On a similar note, what were some of the um, major takeaways that you've, you've learned in 2020 doing a year of the income stream? Yeah, so the income stream, for those of you who don't know, is a daily, daily, even on the weekends, YouTube live stream uh, every morning. And it was started in March of 2020 because of the pandemic. I had a lot of people ask me, what's going to happen? What, what do I do? My business is just tanking right now. And I got on YouTube just to kind of be available. And that one day was so great because I was able to help calm a few people and, and help them understand and, and at least give them some encouragement because everybody was freaking out at the time that I decided to go live a second day sure. and then a third day and then for a full week. And I said, okay, well, let's just keep going. Let's go for a full month. And the month turned into three months, turned into six months, and here we are. We are about 20 days away from, less than 20 days away from an entire year, 365 days straight. Yep. And mm -hmm. some amazing things happened. For, first of all, within the first month after people saw that this was going to be sort of a daily recurrence, I started to see the community band together and actually form alliances with each other. Uh, they created their own Slack channel. I didn't even know. They actually invited it to me later and they're like, hey, guys, uh, hey, Pat, there's like <laughs> 20 of us here in a Slack channel. Um, we'd love to invite you in. it." And I was like, no, I think this is for you guys. I, I shouldn't be in there. Um, and, and they agreed and they still have that today. And they check in with each other after every show. And there's like over 100 or 200 people in there that are active daily, which is pretty incredible, really. Um, I've gotten to know these people by name. They've gotten to know me and we've gotten to learn about each other. It's been extremely helpful with me vetting what content I should create and what products to come out with. Uh, it's been really great to provide direct feedback. Um, that consistency has been uh, really comforting to a lot of people I've heard. So I think that that's something important to note. Uh, I will say that it actually has not done a lot to grow the channel. Mm. Um, going live daily is such a, a unique type of content that it actually doesn't play with the algorithm of YouTube that well mm. um yes people watch and they watch for a long time but for somebody brand new because youtube the, the beauty of youtube is if you, if you create a video youtube could send it to you know thousands tens of thousands even millions of people and based on your title and thumbnail they could want to come and watch but a live stream 
that has multiple topics talked about during a day doesn't really entice new impressions very much mm. as much as it would entice somebody who's already built within the community. Right. So I have to, I, I, I've learned that the top, the daily topics that are very specific, and if I can create a really good title and a really good thumbnail, that often will get more views e even later. But if it's just a Q&A or Friday we play games and, and offer prizes and stuff, um, nobody watches those later, really. But um, after 365 days, I'm going to be stopping the daily stream. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be celebrating on day 365 with a 365-minute stream, about six hours, which should be pretty cool. And after that, I'll probably go weekly, but I'm going to be focusing more of that time and effort into pre-recorded videos that can help bring new people in and that are based on keywords and other things like that. So I, I'm ready to grow the channel again. I, I wasn't doing this to grow at all in, in the first place, right. but it was just to be available and to create a deeper connection. And what do you like more, podcasting or, or doing video now? I like them both for different reasons. The live video is amazing because you have that direct interaction and you get the response immediately. And it's just so valuable, that kind of feedback. I think that's what also excites me about Clubhouse in a way. Mm. But the podcasting is just so different because people will listen on the go, on a walk, on a drive. They really, it's, it's such an intimate uh, form of communication. And, and it's, to me, it's still the best way to scale intimacy. Uh, and when you're trying to get people to know, like, and trust you online, I mean, the podcast is, to me, still unmatched. And uh, there's a lot less noise on a podcast when a person's listening versus a YouTube video with ads and suggested videos and all this noise and comments and other bright, shiny objects. So that, that's, again, why I like the um, why I like the podcasting. So, again, our our audience is full of entrepreneurs at different levels. Um, and, you know, we've talked a lot about hiring and how do we encourage a team, develop a team. Um, and you're saying everything that is, you know, just spot on is we're not only building a community outside of ourselves. We're also building a community within our business. And that's how we thrive as entrepreneurs. Um, but a lot of our entrepreneurial listeners um, at all stages have a sense that they they want a little bit of freedom and flexibility. There was something that drew them into entrepreneurship, either because they were running away from you know a recession like yourself or a bad boss like myself. Um, but also there's there's a taste of freedom once you start your business, and then one tends to want more. Um, so as you are hiring. Um, Oftentimes, it can be difficult to totally let go because, as you said, we get convinced yeah. that we must be the person in the business. We have to do it all ourselves. And um, so how how do you know the business is ready for you to take a step back? Well, there's a very good book that really la uh, outlines all of this. It's called Clockwork by Michael Palowitz, and it really it challenges you as a business owner to consider a year from now, can you take four weeks off of your business and still have the business run? And that mm -hmm. is a thought experiment is a really interesting thought experiment, right? And to build the business in a way where it is systematized, where it has members of the team who step up to allow yourself to, I'm not saying you have to take four weeks off. It's just, could you get your business to a point where you could do that if you wanted to? that can then provide that flexibility. And of course, there's a lot of certain things that need to happen before now and whenever that can happen. But um, you know, Mike McCallis is also the person who wrote the book Profit First, in case uh, many of you have heard that one before. But mm. yeah, I think that, you know, it takes a little bit of letting go. It takes a little bit of, you know, I, I think a lot of people go, oh, I'm just going to wait for the right time, right? And I, <laughs> you know, I, and I've said that before when, you know, getting married. I've said that before when having kids. I've said that before, before purchasing a home. But is there ever going to be like a right time? Like, how do you define what right time actually means? I think right time should be based on your happiness. I think right time should be based on, you know, uh, your, your goals and the other people that are around you, uh, the other agents at play that are affected by your decisions and such. So, you know, for me, I think that the pros of a lot of these decisions far outweigh the cons. And the other thing is just absolutely thinking about, well, what's the worst that can happen? Because a lot of times, even with my layoff, I didn't think about this at the time, but going into entrepreneurship, yes, it did feel very scary to me. But at the same time, it didn't mean that like I would disintegrate my architecture degree forever if I were to go down that route, <laughs> right? Like I had that to fall back on, but I often don't think about that. We as human beings have a very binary way of approaching things. There's even a book written about this 
called Decisive by Chip and Dan Heath. That's like, it's either this or that. There's so much in between too, but at some point you'll have to make that leap for sure. Um, and when it comes to handing off work and, and kind of getting comfortable with that, really, I think the, the, the big solution, if you need something tangible, would be to start with one small project and just get a feel for what that's like and start to explore that and start to uh, ask yourself how you feel about that. And I promise you, if it's like me, you're going to get addicted to that as well. Um, now I kind of just go, okay, what else can I hand off now? Because now it's opening up way more time to do all this other stuff, uh, even outside of the business or create other new things like on the side. Like I had this um, physical product that came out a couple of years ago that launched on Kickstarter to about a half million dollars and 4,000 backers called the SwitchPod. Um, right now I'm in the middle of a new experiment on the side, which is a new YouTube channel in the Pokemon card collecting space, uh, which is really cool. And in two months, we, were, we now have 13,000 subscribers, which is pretty amazing. So again, having almost those kinds of things be rewards for putting in the effort to clockwork my business mm. is, has been really key. Mm. Yeah. So to then kind of turn the same question on its side a little bit, how do you know when you have to let go? Well, number one, it's difficult to know all the answers yourself. Oftentimes, we're so involved in our own work and our goals and such that we don't necessarily get a sense of what it's like on the outside. And sometimes there are some obvious things that can happen, but we just don't see it. And this speaks to that phrase, you know, it's hard to read the label when you're inside the bottle. And I think this mm. is why it's so important to have people in your life that can be people that you could rely on, your advocates, if you will. Uh, anybody from a spouse who uh, knows what you're trying to do and, and is really part of uh, this journey with you to other people who you can collaborate with or even other mastermind group members. This is why it's so important to connect and be a part of a community because a lot of you can go through this together and see things uh, in different ways um, and bounce ideas off each other. And as far as like, when do you have to do this? I mean, um, the, the question to sort of uh, reflect that would be, um, what is stopping you, right? And to think of, mm -hmm. well, why, like, is that worth, um, here's really the phrase that I live by. It's, I would rather live a life full of oh wells than a life full of what ifs, mm. right? Yeah. I, that, that regret, that um, wondering, you know, if I'm you know, however many years old on my deathbed going, wow, I wonder what would happen if I'd done that. I don't want that. That's going to kill me. Um, yeah. And I think that thinking about, well, at least I gave it a shot. That's what's driving me because the cool thing is when you take a shot, you're learning, you're growing, even if you fail. And I think that for somebody like me and maybe for those of you listening who are similar, where you grew up in a house where, you know, you try to get 100% on every score and it's all about perfection and, you know, let's reduce the risk as much as possible. I mean, if you want to live the way you are and you're happy with it, then have no regrets. Don't worry about trying to extend out and, and do things that maybe are beyond what would make you happy. But if you know that you're not happy, then mm -hmm. what is stopping you? Um, probably yourself, mm -hmm. probably the self-doubt, which is often a sign that that's a place you want to go. Right? I actually look for that now. I look for the hard times. I look for the self-doubt. I look for where procrastination exists because that's typically a sign that that's actually what I need to be doing right now. And um, I would be more worried if I wasn't a little bit nervous about the next task I was doing. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of a quote from the book, The War of Art, that says, if you didn't care so much, you wouldn't be terrified. Yeah, exactly. So good. So, you know, as as we're moving on into this uh, really what I like to call the pandemic adjusted economy, um, what do you feel and, and, and hope that we'll see more of going forward as far as entrepreneurship? And what what do you really want to do more of yourself as, as head creative at, at SPI? Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm excited about diving more into video. I mean, podcasting, we're actually doubling down on podcasting uh, within SPI. We're going to have two episodes per week now uh, for the first time ever. And that's really fun. So we're going to have a Wednesday episode, with it, which is an interview typically, mm -hmm. and then a Friday follow-up where I personally, as a solo episode, will go deeper into that topic and tell stories related to that. And I think that's pretty cool because that's actually what people wanted more of, but I didn't just want to replace the amazing interviews that we were having. Mm -hmm. So that'll be a fun thing that will not only offer more value, but it'll also double the amount of uh, assets that we have 
or potentially advertisers if we wanted to go down that route and start to to monetize those as well. Which um, which you were but, you were doing that, and then you got off, and now you're considering again. Now we're back okay. on. Yeah, I mean, we we are doing advertising again, and the cool thing is we've had a lot of people thank us for those ads because we work with ads that we know we can vet and we've used and we can support. Uh, who will also support our audience too. Um, I think I just had been a little bit jaded from podcasting ads back in 2010 to 2015 because all the ads I was hearing were for things that had nothing to do with anything I was interested in as a listener. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I get into a little bit of a, mm, I don't know if this is right. right. So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, as far as what I hope to, oh, well, in the video as well, we're going to be um, adding a, a new YouTube channel specifically for SPI, which is going to be almost like, like a container, a library of answers to all the questions we get. So instead of just like emailing an answer out, it's going to take the form of what Ask Pat used to be, which was like just super quick answers to questions that will then put itself onto a YouTube channel that will allow our customer support to go, oh, you have that question? Well, we have an answer for you here. It's on a YouTube video. And it'll allow us to grab more people who have not found us yet, who haven't discovered us yet through the YouTube algorithm. And that'll be pretty fun. Uh, and that's starting this year as well. Uh, Really what I hope and, and something that we're leading into in SPI as well, but I hope others will take on is this idea of that um, there's nothing more powerful than community in your brand. And we've touched on this a little bit, but we've developed a membership platform called or a membership program uh, called SPI Pro that was launched last year. We actually had planned to do it in 2011, but we pushed it forward because so many people were craving connection with each other as a result of the pandemic. And I'm so grateful we did that because so far, I mean, there's hundreds of members who are connecting every single day, and I've had the most incredible testimonials of anything I've ever put out in the world as a result of SPI Pro and the uh, and and what people and the value that they're getting in there, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, being advisor to the actual software platform Circle has been really amazing too, because we get to help influence as a community, not just from the leadership team at SPI, but as a community based on what we're seeing and what people are requesting. We can actually go to Circle and go, "Can you build this? Can you build that?" And it's really cool because now we can shape this community uh, in the way that we want instead of just like playing in the Facebook sandbox, right. if you will, yeah. um, mm -hmm. which is really neat. And so I think that everybody should be thinking about how to create a tight-knit community within their brand. It doesn't need to be very many people to be so valuable um, because it's not just about like the monthly recurring payments, which is very nice, of course. And the holy grail of passive income is that monthly recurring payment that's a little bit more predictable. Uh, but it's the fact that there are people now who Yes, they're paying because they want to be there and they're paying because they want to help create this, uh, something that's special to them. And when it's special to them, it's going to be special to other people like them, too. And the community aspect is something that can allow for really amazing connections. And oftentimes you hear that people come for the content, but they stay for the community. And that's uh, something I hope people will take advantage of because people are craving it now more than ever to find people like them who um, can understand them, who speak the same language and can feel like they're in a safe space to discuss and, and chat about those things super super yeah i'm looking forward to it mm -hmm. and I, I i love what you've what you've done to circle i mean i've seen some comparable platforms you know just what you guys have been able to do very very quickly and, and embracing it and using it for spi pro um and essentially making it its own social media platform yeah it's it's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's an incredible tool so thank you thank you Jesse. Love it. Uh, so as we're ending up today's conversation, we always end with the rapid fire questions segment. And uh, my first and uh, foremost favorite question to ask people is um, who are three influencers or teachers that have launched you to where you're at today? So I definitely have to give a big shout out. This will count as one, but it's two people, Jeremy and Jason from Internet Business Mastery. They were somebody who had the podcast that I listened to and were very much a part of my story. Then it was uh, Ramit Sethi, actually. He was the one mm. who really inspired me to help me go from scrappy entrepreneur to CEO and visionary of the company and then hire other people. And then finally, Michael Hyatt, a leader of leaders. And he is somebody who I really admire and is a mentor of mine, not just because he's a great businessman, but because he incorporates his family into what he does in such a graceful way. And he has a beautiful relationship with his older kids now. And that's what I want with my kids, too. Like that. Aww. Uh, who would be someone that if you interviewed would cause you to become starstruck? It would definitely be Elon Musk. Uh, he is somebody who uh, is just wired differently and he just fascinates me so much. I'm a big fan of his. I'm a Tesla fan, Tesla investor, Tesla fanboy, uh, SpaceX, mm -hmm. all the things he's involved with. I, I absolutely love. 
But I mean, I don't agree with a lot of the things that he does with his personal life. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, he's not necessarily always shown up to be dad, obviously, because he's doing all this stuff. Right. But mm-hmm. um, what interests me is his brain, how he takes these things that are seemingly impossible and then makes them possible because he questions the truth and validity of things and goes to find the first principles to discover the answer versus just kind of, you know, going with the crowd. And I really love that because I think the entire world could benefit from learning more about first principles thinking and getting to the root core of any problems or questions that we might have so that we can more quickly build solutions and help the world. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, let's just say our stock has taken a little bit of a hit this, this week, but you know, it is what it is. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm a long-term investor. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's on sale this yeah, week. It is. It, I mean, I, I end up purchasing more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly the way that I'm looking at it. It's just like, mm, the guy's going to have multiple income streams going through that one company. Yeah. It's definitely on sale this week. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest plot twist that you've seen in your professional life? Biggest plot twist. Um, I mean, there's been several, but I think, you know, that, that this is sort of a moment that happens from time to time. It's not necessarily one single moment, but it happens quite often where a person will show up somewhere in my communities or online or, or on their own platforms and start to talk a lot of crap about me. They'll say certain things, they'll make these claims and whatnot. And it's always interesting because I can completely just refute every single thing this person says. And I just know that this person is coming from a place of, I don't know, hurt or jealousy or, or what have you. And instead of just kind of either ignoring that and instead of having some sort of rebuttal prepared for that, um, I mean, there have been times when I get heated. I'm just, I'm a human and I'll write out an entire reply and it feels good. And then I delete it. Like just that exercise alone makes me feel really good, right? It's almost like if somebody cuts you off on the freeway, like, what are you going to really do about it? Sure, I'm going to give them the middle finger, but it's below the window, so they don't even see it. It's just for me. Right? It's just like, just for me. So um, uh, that was a Dan, Daniel Ratcliffe actually did that in a, uh, or no, with an Ethan Wood. I can't, I can't remember. So Somebody, Elijah Wood okay. did that in, a, in an interview, so I don't want to take credit for that, but huh. that's how I feel about like writing a whole paragraph of things that I have to feel and then like deleting it all. Anyway, um, many times I actually go and I connect with them sort of privately because I don't want to make it public and just go, hey, what's going on? Like, is there anything I can do to help you? Because in my opinion, oftentimes that comes from, you know, this idea that hurt people hurt people, mm-hmm. right? So this person must be going through some hurt. I want to empathize with them. Mm-hmm. And many, many times in terms of plot twists, these people end up becoming some of the biggest super fans ever, which is the, the coolest thing because they now go to at bat. I think it also helps them change their mind and helps them understand that, well, there are actually good people out there who, number one, listen and also would make you want to feel like, you belong to something versus maybe what they assumed because of other prior experiences. Mm. Yeah. With, um, what is it? The, uh, the social dilemma and people having yeah. two sides of every coin, it seems these days, um, or being on two sides of the same coin. Um, I, I, I give you kudos for being able to, to, you know, reach out to them because for me, when I, post something like, oh, I don't know, let's use blockchain to fix the voting issue if there is a voting issue. I mean, it's new technology. Why are we using something that's 200 years old or whatever, right? Sure. Controversial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just like whatever. But the point, you know, the thing is, is like why someone, you know, there wasn't any traction on that post until someone actually said, blah, blah, blah. And I don't ever remember. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm yeah. just like, okay, um, block, delete, because it's just, I, I don't have the, the, the mental space for arguments like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. right. And you conserving your energy for something that really actually matters, like what, blasting out and getting into arguments on social media. Like, is it going to matter tomorrow or the next day? Right. Um, I mean, you're not going to ever change anybody's mind either is the other thing I've learned. It's like, right let's just have a discussion so we can learn from each other, but I'm not here to convince somebody to change their mind. If, if we're having, if we're talking like, you know, political arguments or whatever, um, that I've just, I don't even try anymore with those kinds of things. I'm, I'm, I'm usually just like eating popcorn in the background, watching everybody else. Fight. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole, uh, Michael Jackson meme. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
So uh, you've recently been told that you will be forced to time travel back to January 1st, 1990. You only okay. have a week to prepare. And you'll only have the clothes that you'll be wearing at the time. What do you do? So I'm going back into time? Mm -hmm. Back into time to January 1st, 1990. You have a week to prepare, and you'll only be wearing the clothes on your back. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go find my younger self, and I'm going to be like, hey, First of all, Back to the Future, it's like a real thing. So don't freak out. The DeLorean <laughs> thing actually is true. So you can look forward to that when you're older. So now I'm in with myself and I can have a conversation. And I would just tell myself a few things. Number one, build as many relationships as you can. Because you never know that next person that you have a connection with could be a game changer for helping you achieve certain things. And always serve others first. Um, you know, and, and, and try to surround yourself with people who will want to support you. Because at the time, this was like when I was entering middle school, uh, I was, uh, I was very, very self-conscious about who I was compared to others. I wanted to be one of the cool kids. I never was. I always felt inadequate, had a lot of low self-esteem. And it was because I tried to put myself into groups that I probably didn't even belong in in the first place. And it wasn't until really college that I understood that I could be myself and there are other people who are also just as weird and we can together like be friends and support each other and help each other out. Um, and that was really important. And then finally, uh, just kind of a little bit more wisdom about, you know, the fact that this thing called the internet is coming and to try to as quickly as possible show up online, but not to talk about what you're going to have for breakfast or what trips you're on, which is what most people did when they started with a Zanga blog or, or MySpace back in the day. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter who's in your top eight. Create something that's actually helpful for people. Yeah. And everything will fall into place after that. that that's kind of what I would tell myself. Cool. And then I would go that's find an almanac that would show me all the scores of all the sports t- uh, games that yeah, happened. Yeah, right. You know, and then... <laughs> oh, love it, love it. Um, final question. Uh, how can someone be a difference maker in their community? Uh, understand what making a difference means to somebody. I think a lot of times we approach entrepreneurship with, I think this is going to like help people. I think I should create an online course. I think I should create a book or I'm going to create something about this versus first having communication with those who you're trying to serve and really understanding what their pains and problems are and the way that they talk about those problems because you can use that same language on your sales copy and your emails and discussions and, and help others understand that uh, you know where they're at. And so for me, being a difference maker means helping people with what it means to make a difference for them. And that's, again, what it always comes down to from serving first. Cool. Well, uh, Pat, it's been a pleasure. And uh, thank you for joining us for this uh, session 200 of the Angles of Latitude podcast. Again, you can be found at uh, patflynn.com, also smartpassiveincome.com. And where can people find you on the socials, my friend? Yeah, at Pat Flynn everywhere uh, on YouTube and Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is where I'm most active as far as social. And uh, you can find me on Clubhouse as well. I'm there every once in a while. Super. A couple hours a week. Super. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Congrats again. So there you have it. You know, it was really awesome to, to have the man himself, Pat Flynn, on the show to round out these first five seasons. And I hope you guys have learned some key takeaways from these last two episodes. You know, you don't have to hustle 24-7 to be successful. And in fact, doing so will probably only hamper your efforts in the long run. Again, do the 20% of the work that gets you the 80% of the results you want. If you want even more amplification, just like Iron Man being part of the Avengers, being a part of a team really does help with that. As far as the show notes extras go for this interview, it was really hard for me to to pick four uh, particular videos, but uh, I kind of got them down to uh, a little bit of where Pat's been and and where he's he's going. So the first one is one of the, the first business related videos I had ever watched on YouTube. It was Pat actually showing how to build a blog in four minutes and sure, it was a super simple blog, but you know back then that that was a, a vital, vital part of, of having an online business. And little did I know that it helped to have a, a track record as, as well. 
Particularly, Pat was at the point where he had just more or less finished up his uh, green exam study guide. And, uh, you know, those were definitely simpler days back then. Next up is his recap of all he's learned in the last 10 years of SBI uh, back in 20, 2018. He did this piece and really inspirational stuff. Uh, strikes me differently today than it did even three years ago when the first video first came out, simply because it's like, you know, I'm I'm personally starting to make some some mental clicks that are just I wouldn't have thought about it that way back then, you know? Uh, then since he talks about his book, Let Go, in the previous video, I wanted to include a video where he shares a special moment of when he had launched his other book, Will It Fly? And his kids got to actually see his book on the shelves at a bookstore. And finally, to wrap things up, I wanted to include his six-hour-long stream recording of the 365th episode of the Income Stream. If you're part of SPI Pro or will be in the near future, I'm sure you'll recognize some of the names that were in the chat there. Some of them are actually mastermind buddies of mine, while others are great members of SPI Pro as a whole. If you haven't watched any of the income stream or missed this one, I recommend checking it out just so you can say that you saw a historical moment in the SPI history. So with that said, guys, thanks for uh, tuning in for session 200. Remember, if you want to continue on this journey with me, I'm actually over at SPI Pro as a, as a founding member. Would love for you to join us via the application you can find at newinceptions.com slash SPI Pro. And also, while this might be the last podcast I'm doing as one-man production band, it's not the end of the journey. Stay tuned to the blog. Uh, if a certain partnership starts up soon, I'll be writing all about it over there. And while it might not be this show, because I still have to write the capstone book, I might be continuing on to the journey with some of the friends I've met along the way during the pandemic. It's a partnership I'm highly excited about and can't wait to share. You know, we just need to put some ink into the uh, virtual paper, as it were, and we'll be good to go. So with that said, thanks for spending some time with Pat, Veronica, and me. And until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care of whatever you're creating. And we'll see you out there. Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go at facebook.com slash newinceptions, on Twitter at newinceptions, Instagram at new.inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.